I heard a person one time say, he said, this is how you pray. You pray till you pray. And I said, what does that mean? He didn't know what it meant. And I said, what does that mean? Pray till you pray. He said, well, you know, you just get off by yourself and you pray. I said, and, and then what? And then you pray till you pray. I said, what does that mean? He didn't know what that meant. Then I had another person say that prayer is listening to God. And I said, really? So prayer is listening to God. So you don't say anything. You just listen. If that's prayer. And so I think this morning we're going to talk about different things. And I would say that I disagree with both of those statements that I made, that prayer is listening to God and that you pray till you pray. I don't even know what that means. Do you know what that means? I don't know what it means. Anyway, so let's talk about it because we're going to see what does the Bible actually say about prayer. We begin there. A lot of things. Let me give you sort of an outline. I don't know if you can read this. Instead of putting this in your handout, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what is prayer, and we're going to talk about the word prayer and how we pray, and we're talking about pro approaching God, and then we're going to actually look at the importance of prayer in the life of Christ, in the life of the early church, and then in our own lives, how important is prayer. Then we're going to look at different types of prayers. If you, if you realize that in the Bible, there are at least five different words for prayer. There's actually more than that, but there's five different aspects of prayer in the Bible. And so we're going to look at that because we can say, you know, because if I said to Susie, hey, Susie, pray for me, I'm going to be doing this, She's going to be making what we call intercession. But if I said, oh, Lord, help me on this, I just made petition. Those are two different Greek words, and they have two different meanings. So we're going to be seeing that as we go through it. Then we're going to talk about how to pray. We're going to talk about method. We're going to talk about manner. We're going to talk about praying for each other. We're going to talk about evangelism and salvation and growth. And then we're going to talk about Christ's final prayer. That when I say final prayer, prayer that it's, it, you know, he prayed on the cross and things like that. But what I'm talking about where he met with his men is called the upper room discourse. It's, it, it's in John chapter 17. We want to see what he prayed. And then last but not least, I mean, we'll talk about unanswered prayer. You have prayed for something and it, and it never appeared to be answered? You pray and pray, you pray, pray for weeks and months for somebody maybe to come to know Christ. You say, oh, I pray for my Uncle Bob. I want him to come to know Christ. And years go by, and Uncle Bob still doesn't know Christ, and you're praying over and over again. Or you pray, oh, I want this to happen, and you pray over and over, and it doesn't seem like it happens. And so what is that? How do, what is this unanswered prayer? And we'll talk more about that as well, and then we'll finally kind of put it together with a, a little summary. So here's some issues just for you to think about, Okay. Why pray if God already knows everything? Does prayer change anything if God is sovereign? If God is sovereign and works all things according to the counsel of His will, then why pray if He's the sovereign ruler of everything? And then are there different ways to pray? And then why sometimes is there no answers to our prayers? That's just some questions I wanted us to see. Well, let's start. Is prayer listening to God or talking to God? It's often misunderstood. There are a lot of... Lot of I would say confusing teachings on prayer. Let me give you some things. Some think that uh, prayer ought to be done by the professional, right? Right. I mean, sometimes I'm invited to things just to pray. We've got to ask Pastor J.B. Bond. He's going to be praying for us today. Okay, like if none of them can pray, right? And, I mean, and you think about it, and, and you're somewhere, and they go, uh, J, uh, let's let the professional pray. Right, and then you have some people who say, "Well, somebody got a better line, to, you know, a direct line to God." You know, you know, this person they're really spiritual, so we'll ask them to pray because they they seem to get to God quicker than the rest of us. And ours is like on hold, and theirs just goes right through. You know, and and then sometimes people say, "When you pray, you have it's like special." I can still remember when I first 
became a Christian, and I started growing, and I was, go- I was 23, 24 years old, and they had a man at the church, and he was a deacon at this church that I was going to, and somebody say, oh, brother, brother, somebody, please pray. Oh, thou heavenliest father, and we thank you, and thou, and it was like King James English, and I'm going, do you pray in King James? How does that? Because I don't know King James really, and I'm not sure when to do a thou or a thee or a youest or a weest or whatever. And so I didn't know. And so some people, it's amazing, they have a prayer voice. They'll say, "Hey, how you doing? Let's pray." Oh, heavenly Father, and you want to go? What? You just changed your whole personality to talk to God. Wouldn't it be better to say, "Dear God, I need you," right? Think about it. What, what is it all about? So what is prayer and all these kind of things? So let's start with this. What is prayer? It, it, prayer is simply talking to God. That's what it is. And people say, well, I don't know how to pray. Can you talk? Can you even think? Can you think? It doesn't have to be out loud. It, if you're just driving in your car and you're thinking, you're saying, oh, Lord, I, I really hope this works. Oh, do that. You know, you're talking to God. That's what it really is. So I want you to look at Philippians 4. Look at verse 6. Look at Philippians 4, 6. He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. By the way, that's a word for prayer. Supplication, that's another word for prayer. With thanksgiving, that's another word for prayer. And then he says, let your what? That's another word for prayer. Let your requests be made known. Prayer is talking to God. Now, we know that sometimes you can pray and you can ask him for things. Oh, Lord, please work this out. Oh, Lord, please do this. That's request. Sometimes you say, oh, Lord, please help Anita. You know, she's going to be on a trip. And Lord, I just pray that it'll go a good way. That's a different kind of prayer, but it's still prayer and it's still talking to God. That's what it is. And it can be out loud. It It doesn't have to be out loud. So when we say prayer... It's not some formal thing with a particular voice or a particular way to say it. Some people don't have an in with God more than others. It boils down to the fact that you, anytime you want to, any place, anywhere, about anything, you can talk to God about it. And there's nothing that's trivial to God. I had a person talk to me and say, well, I, that's, that's trivial. I, I need to go to God with big things. Let me, I said, is anything big to God? <laughs> Think about it. There's nothing big to God. Everything's, you know, if you say, well, this is a trivial thing and this is a big thing, it's all the same. Take everything to the Lord. So he says, be anxious for nothing but everything but prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known. He's actually talking about asking for things there. So when we think about our relationship with God, there's really two areas. That's God talking to us. That's through the Word. That's how He talks to us. You study the Bible and you see the truths and the principles and things. And then prayer is us talking to God. So let's talk about the Word for a minute. The Word is so important. That's one of the keys around here. This is how we know God. This is how we know what He has for us to do. This is how we know His will for our lives because it's all throughout the Scripture. And we know those kind of things. Second Timothy says, Study to show yourself approved to God. A workman need not be ashamed. Handling accurately, rightly dividing the Word of God. We're supposed to dig it and know it and apply it in our lives. But that's one side of it. That's God to us, so to speak. But then prayer is us to God. We talk to God. How we, we, we tell him everything. We talk about everything. And, and, you, and if, you don't, if you don't have this habit, have a habit of when you get in the car, if you're by yourself, maybe you don't have to turn on the radio. Maybe while you're driving, you can talk to him about things. You can talk to him about your day. What, when you get up in the morning, you could say things like, Lord, thank you for another day and use me today. When you get ready to go to bed at night, you could think through your day and say, Lord, thank you for working that out and thanks for a great lunch and thank you for that was fun today. I mean, you can do everything. Just talk to him. He's always there. He's always there. So let our requests be made known to God. Now, I've got a question. 
And, and the reason I bring this question up is because I remember it was a number of years ago that a person said this. He said, God does not hear the prayers of Jewish people. There was an evangelist in, in, in the United States, in fact, in the southern United States, in fact, in this part of the country. An evangelist said, God doesn't hear the prayers of the Jewish people. Then he went on to say that God doesn't hear the prayers of anyone except believers. So here's my question. Who can approach God in prayer? Can all people or only believers? And as I said several years ago, negative publicity. And when, when he made that statement, there were a lot of people who said, that doesn't sound right to me. And he was saying, because Jewish people as a nation, not as an individual, but as a nation have rejected the Messiah, one of these days they're going to believe in the Messiah. As a people group, they will. There are individual Jewish people who trust Christ all the time. If Jewish people as a nation, as a whole, we would say do not believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. But he was saying since they don't believe in Jesus Christ, then they have no right to come to God and he doesn't listen to them. Well, I think God has allowed every person to come to him. Now, we're going to talk about it in just a second. So look at, look at this, Psalm 65, verse 2. O thou, o thou who dost hear prayer to thee, all what? All people come. Everybody can come. Anybody can come. Okay? Anybody can come to God anytime, place, anywhere, about anything. He says, all flesh to thee, all men come. Literally, is the idea of all flesh. All people can come to God. Listen to this one. Look at the Psalm 5, verses 2 and 3. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my God and my, and my King and my God, for to thee I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you, to thee, and to eagerly watch. He, who, who's talking there? The psalmist is talking there, but that could be any of us, right? Can you pray to God anytime, place, anywhere about anything? Can you talk to him all the time? In fact, whenever you talk to him, does it have to be to ask for something? Does it have to be to ask for something for somebody else? No. Could it just be you talk to him? Could it be you just tell him how great he is? Could you just say, thank you, Lord, for letting me live another day. Thank you, Lord, for all the good stuff you do to, for, for me. Thank you, Lord, for you're the greatest. Thank you that you're my strength and my shield and my Savior. Thank you that you're my king. Th can you just say thank you to God? Can you just worship God by, by talking to him? And we're going to see all that. So... Who can come to God? Now, let me show you something. Can unbelievers approach God? The answer is yes. Let's look at this guy. I want you to turn, just flip back in your Bible to Acts, okay? Acts chapter 10. There's a guy named Cornelius. And I just want you to see this quickly, see how this fits together. A guy by the name of Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was a Roman, and he was a centurion. So he was a soldier, and he was a high-ranking soldier because the centurion had 100 soldiers underneath him. That was pretty big. I mean, those were, the, those, were, those were men of character, usually, and they were men with leadership skills, and they had 100 soldiers under them, and they were called centurions. And this one, if you notice, look at Acts chapter 10, verse 1. Now, there was this man at Caesarea. His name was Cornelius, a centurion of what is called the Italian court. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, and he gave many alms to the Jewish people, and he prayed to God. Guess what? He's not a believer. He's not a believer. You read that, and you think, well, he's a devout man, and he feared God. Well, I know a lot of people say, oh, I believe in God. Listen, sometimes at membership training, I'll, I'll go to each person, and I'll say, let me ask you a question. Uh, I have to ask you two questions. If you were to die, would you go to heaven? And almost everybody says what? 
Yes. Now, I've just got through teaching how to, how to have eternal life, so they better answer yes. But anyway, but the second thing is, I say, why? And sometimes people say, because I believe in God or because I've tried to do good things. Well, we already know. Is that the answer? No, the answer is because I've put my faith in Christ as my Savior. Now, here's a guy who is devout. That means committed. It says that he feared God and he gave alms to the Jewish people. And he had a vision in the ninth hour. He saw in a vision an angel of God who came to him. An angel. Now, we've been studying angels and demons on Wednesday nights, and there are good angels and bad angels. This is obviously a good angel. And this good angel came and said, Cornelius. And, uh, and fixing his gaze on him, he said, What is it, Lord? Now, the word Lord there doesn't mean Lord like Jesus Christ, Lord. It just means master. And it means sir. And he says, What is it? Your, uh, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial to God. Your what? Has come up to God? What does it say? Your prayers. Unbeliever has been lifting up prayers to God, and if God doesn't hear the prayer of the unbeliever, this is not accurate. God does hear the prayer of unbelievers. I know unbelievers that when they get into trouble, the first thing they say is, Oh, God, help me! Okay? You're talking to God, but you said you don't believe in Him. Right? You've seen it in your life, right? So... What happened here? Is this an unbeliever? And by the way, I just want you to know that the, unbel- the angel said, your prayers have come to God. Go send to a city called Joppa to a man named Simon, who's also called Peter, and he'll come back and tell you. It tells us in another place. He'll come back and tell you how to have salvation. This man's not saved, but he's an unbeliever. But his prayers have gone up to God. Can anybody lift up a prayer to God? Okay, let's think about that. It, now, look at this. What about us? What about us? I want you to turn quickly to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's turn over there. Let's toward the back of your Bible. I know it, it's not always fun to have to turn places, but I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 4. Because this is amazing for us. Are you a sinner? Okay. Do you sin daily? Yeah. Is God perfect? Is he righteous? Is he holy? Is he the greatest there is? Can you go to him? Do you feel like going to him? Sometimes? Yeah, all the time? So you, as a sinful, fallen person, can approach the living God. You can? Think about it. What does Hebrews say? Look what this says. Look what this says. Hebrews 4 14 through 16, look what it says. Therefore, since we have a great high priest. Who's our great high priest? Jesus Christ, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let's hold fast our confession. We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Put it another way, we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness. He's been tempted in all things yet without sin. We're going to see, not this Sunday morning, but the next Sunday morning, the temptation of Jesus. And I've had people say, why in the world would Jesus Christ be tempted by the devil? And why, when he lived on the earth, would he be tempted? For us. First of all, he's going to be tempted to show that he can't sin. That's one of the reasons of temptation. We'll see that next week. But another one is so that when we're tempted, we can say, Jesus knows what it's like. And then look what the last verse says. Therefore, in summary, 
Let us draw near. How? With confidence to the throne of what? Grace. That's how he deals with us. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. Every one of us in this room can come boldly to our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can come anytime, anyplace, anywhere, about anything. It doesn't matter. We've got a great high priest who's already passed through, Jesus Christ. He has been tempted in all points, yet without sin. Therefore, we can draw near. We can come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace. See, when you come before Jesus Christ, it's not judgment and condemnation. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. He that believes is not condemned. There's never going to be condemnation to any of us any time when we come to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Even at the very last time when we stand before him at what's called the the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded, there is no condemnation. All of our sins have been placed where? On Christ. He's removed them as far as the east as the west. You will never stand before Jesus Christ for your sin. And so when we come boldly to the throne of grace, even when we're coming because of our sin, there is no judgment there. It's called not a throne of judgment. It's called a throne of grace. You can come boldly unto the throne of grace. Now, is there a distinction between the unbeliever and the believer? Yes. Because with a believer, you're coming as a child to a father. Unbeliever is coming as a creator, a creation to the creator. There's a difference. There's a difference. Because when you trust your faith in Christ, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. So children of God have a different relationship and fellowship with God than an unbeliever because we approach as a family. They approach as a creation to the creator. But they, they can come. We as believers can come how? Boldly to the throne of grace. That means you can come anytime, anywhere, anytime you want to. We have a mediator. We have a mediator. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. I think I have it on your handout. There's one mediator between God and man. It is the man, Christ Jesus. Now, let me tell you this. When, and I have to keep looking because that clock's messed up. When, when we think about coming to him, we can come to him in two different aspects because... Let me picture, picture this for me. Tell me where is Jesus right now? He's where? Seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What's he doing there? We already know he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you when I get ready, I'll come back. So he's preparing a place. But he's doing something else. What is he doing seated at the right hand of the throne of God? He is a mediator. He is our intercessor. Hebrews 7.25 says that he lives forever to make intercession for us. That means you can go to him on anything, on anything. He's your intercessor. You can ask him for anything. You can ask him a request for you, for other people. You can come to him with anything you want to bring to him. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. He's your intercessor. But he's also our advocate. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. When we sin, when you sin... What should you do immediately when you and I sin? What should we do? Go, go right to him, confess it, tell on ourselves, homo legeo means speak the same thing. We tell ourselves, tell Jesus, I did it. I did it again for the 8,000th time. You know, right? Uh, are there some sins you've done? Uh, anybody in here done a sin more than once? <laughs> right? Okay. We, we're not playing games. We, we are people 
who are trying to be like Jesus Christ and we're growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ, but we mess up. And when we mess up, the very first thing you have to do is what? You come to your advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's why you can come boldly to the throne of grace because he's your advocate. He's your defense attorney. So it says, don't sin, but if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's what we see. So, here's some questions. How are we doing in our prayer life? Are we making requests? Are we talking to God? Do the only time we talk to God is when we need something? Uh, are we making intercession for others? Be, let me just ask you that. Do you have a little book that somebody says, hey, pray for me, and you go, yeah, I will. Do you go write that down and pray for them? Because if you don't, you know what will happen? You won't ever remember it again. And they'll come up and say, thank you so much for praying for me. And you go, oh, yeah, I never prayed, you know. <laughs> But God still answered, right? So, here's some questions. Why don't we pray? Number one, it's hard. It doesn't sound hard, but you know one of the words for prayer is a word that means to struggle or to fight. Because you're not wrestling against what? Flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of wickedness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You're in a spiritual battle and you don't even know it. Now, people have been coming on our Wednesday night class, they know it. We've been talking about angels and demons and all this other stuff. We're in a battle, and I'm going to tell you what, when you start praying, there's no telling about that evil forces. And so it is a struggle. That's what the Greek word means. It means to struggle. One of the Greek words for prayer. Second, it's mysterious. It's mysterious because we're talking to somebody we've never seen. And he's supreme of all, all creation. And have you ever thought about this? How many people are praying at the same time? Did y'all ever see Bruce Almighty when he was trying to do, the, and he was trying to, the hypernite typewriter trying to, at that computer trying to figure out how to answer his prayer, he just put yes to all the prayers. You know, think about it. God hears every prayer all the time. I want you to think about this. When you deal, when you, when you think about God, don't think that he's got all this other stuff. It's really just you and him. When you stand before him to be rewarded, it's not going to be a bunch of other people pushing and shoving, saying, it's my turn. You know, and you know, it's not going to be that way. It's just going to be you and God. When you pray, it's just you and God. You can talk to him anytime, anyplace, anywhere. It's beautiful. The third one. You just don't feel worthy to pray. You know why? Why? Because you've done what? You sin. When you sin, you go, I think the best thing to do is kind of slink off by myself somewhere and not talk to anybody, right? What does God say? What are you doing? You don't think I can see you? Remember when, when, when God came to Adam and Eve? It's so funny because they went off and hid by themselves. You could see them hiding trees or something. And God comes and he goes, where are you? He knew exactly where they were. He could say, I see you over there, right over there. I could see you. But he asked them because what he wanted them to do was say, we're over here and we blew it. What he wants you to say is, I'm over here and I blew it again, again. And I want you to understand that you can come to him a hundred times every day about the same thing, and he's not going to go, that's about enough. I've had just about enough of you. But you feel that way, don't you? Don't you say, how many more times do I have to go back to him because I keep failing, right? And you eventually think, I'm not worthy to come and even talk to him, and so the best thing to do is just shut up. 
No, that's not the best thing. He says, bring your request to me. Come boldly to the throne of grace. It matter. His love for you is unchanged by your actions. He loved you before you ever trusted in him. He loves you whether you serve him or not. And he loves you to the maximum. It does not change. It's an unchanging love. Fourth, does it really make a difference when you pray? Sometimes we say, "Ah, I don't think it makes any difference. I've prayed the same thing for five years. I don't think it makes any difference. I don't see anything changing. I don't see anything happening. Sometimes we say that. So why don't we pray? Well, we don't pray because it's hard. We don't pray because it's mysterious. We don't pray because we don't feel worthy. We don't pray because it doesn't seem to make a difference sometimes. We have to realize that prayer is simply talking to God and that it's the key area in our fellowship with God and we want to come boldly to the throne of grace because he's the mediator and we can come anytime, anyplace, anywhere. So let's understand prayer. Let's understand it. It's just talking to God. Don't pray till you pray, whatever that means. And don't just sit there saying, I'm going to wait for God to talk to me. That's not prayer. Prayer is you talking to God. That's what it is. Understand it. It's us talking to God. It's us coming to Him. It's us letting our quest be made known. It's praying for others. It's just come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us understand that all people can come to God. All people can come to God. Believers come as children and others come as the creation to the Creator. And he, does he love unbelievers? Does he love unbelievers with exactly the same amount of love that he loves us? Yes. His love doesn't change. It's not limited in any way, shape, or form. So third, let's be men and women of prayer. So this starts a study. So it's going to be hard. We're going to start praying, you know, right? We're going to pray when we get in the car. We're going to pray when we walk. We're going to come boldly to the throne of grace. We're going to realize that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's the 18th time that day you've done a particular thing that you need to bring before him. You're going to bring before him because he still loves you and never changes. So why don't we pray? Understand why we don't pray? Because it's hard, because it's mysterious, because we don't feel worthy. And sometimes we don't even know if it matters, but it does. So may we be men and women of prayer.